Oh, there it goes. Yeah, yeah, now we're live. Out of the sea in the western sky. Uh, all right, I forgot to check the soundboard. As fucking usual. As fucking usual. Uh, well, I guess we'll just fucking jump right into it and see if it's working. You're about to witness the strength of creep knowledge. Good evening. Welcome to the 40 and Slip. This is episode 197. 2022. New year, new you. F O. And fuck you. Ah, sad day today, ladies and gentlemen. Sad, sad day. Bob Saget. Dead at the age of 65. I guess he was in good health from what I've uh, from what I've heard uh, on the radio etc cetera, etc cetera, he was um, everybody said that he was like doing really well um, yeah sounds super I, unexpected yeah I heard Gilbert Gottfried this morning and he was like yeah I spoke to him like two days ago like everything was fine um, it's a fucking bummer yeah for I sure. will I will never forget seeing his aristocrats joke for the first time. Like realizing that this clean cut guy that or what I had thought was a clean cut guy. <laughs> right. Um you know, on what was that fucking America's funniest home videos? No, not on America's funniest home full videos, house. but on Full House, which it was part of that whole like ABC lineup. Yeah. At the time, they had a name for TGIF. Like, yes, TGIF, and my fucking girlfriend loved that. That shit. was my jam as a kid. Oh God Almighty! Step by step. Oh matters. fuck me! <laughs> oh God! God Almighty! But. But I'll, I can always remember the titties, I guess. I can always remember it by that. I guess that's horrible to say, but it's true. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's a bummer. It's a fucking wicked bummer. Uh, Saget, Saget was like this, like I said, he was this clean cut guy that everybody knew. Like everybody knew him as this clean cut guy. But the people that really knew him were like... What the fuck are you talking about? Right? He was a dirty, dirty comic. <laughs> Holy shit. Holy shit. Um, and I mean, if you want to see what Bob Saget was really like, as far as comedically, just check out that uh, Aristocrats. The, uh, check out the Aristocrats movie. It's a great movie. But his part in it is, oh, my God. And I think you can find it on YouTube fairly easily. Oh, I'm sure it's going to be even easier. Oh yeah, <coughs> yeah. Everybody's talking about him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a that was a bummer. I I had last night and I got tonight off. Um, and I got up late last night because I slept late and um got up and I was going through Facebook and I saw the post and I'm like, get the fuck out. It's you know because you always wonder now whether it's a hoax or not. Whether right. somebody, I know, isn't fucking... that sad? We always question that now. <laughs> yeah, 
Like even with Betty White, I did the same thing. I had somebody tell me in person, "Hey, did you hear Betty White died?" And I was like, "Are you sure?" I think they should have stuck her on an iron lung for seventeen days to fucking keep her to fucking a hundred. I heard that some people (laughs) did the math on it, and if you count the days skipped for leap years, she made it to a hundred. Yeah. So there, I mean, there's that. Yeah, she. I. I I don't know. She. uh, She's beloved. That's all I know. She's an icon. Woman's fucking beloved. Absolutely. But yeah, we lose Betty White. We lose Bob Saget. I mean, two <sighs> two definitely dirty motherfuckers in this world. <laughs> right. The best dirty ones, though. <laughs> right. They will be missed. <laughs> and cherished. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know what 2022 holds. But, uh, you know, so far, yeah, it is what it is. Um, it's another year. I don't know. I I always think that something's gonna something's gonna be different. You know, something's gonna something's gonna change about shit. Um, but it never does. Nothing ever changes. It's all the same. Same bullshit. I mean, in and of that things have changed, but it's just a the same stuff in a different package. Yeah. Same shit, yeah. different day. Because I, you look back on like the early 1900s, like media, and it, it was the same type of stuff. It was just pointed in a different direction. Yeah. It, it, and, and it's really funny when you really sit down and take a look at it. It's kind of hilarious. So, um, yeah, good times. Great oldies. Uh, I suppose we will get right into the news for the night, Katie. But actually, before we do, (laughs) I saw my son over the weekend. And I have been waiting fucking almost two years to see the movie Antlers. Um, you're not a big horror movie fan or anything like that, are you, Katie? Uh, I am. I'm. I'm behind in, but I used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Antlers is a take on the Wendigo legend. Yeah, I'll say. I think I heard about that, and I remember being excited about it. But I'm bad about following up on these things. <laughs> right. So, so um, my son and I had seen the trailer for this, and we were both super fucking excited to see it. And then COVID yeah. hit, and when COVID hit. It was not released in the theaters. It was not released, period. So we waited and waited and waited. And it was released some t- at some point, like, late this past year. Um, and I keep I kept looking, kept looking, kept looking to see when it was streaming. Um, and I must have missed when it hit, but it, it hit. So uh, my son was home this weekend. I said, hey, we can watch Antlers. And he's like, oh, cool. So we rented it. And um, sat down and watched it. And I won't say that I didn't enjoy it. I will not say that. (laughs) What I will say is that I was disappointed. Mm. Like, they had a really great premise. And a really cool possible story. That was very piss poorly executed. Was it cheesy? It wasn't that it was cheesy. No, this, the effects were all great. Uh, the monster looked fucking awesome. Um, 
but it was the story. It was the execution of the story that made you go. And my son and I both said the same thing. We were both like, that was lackluster. Mm. That was not as good as I wanted it to be. Like totally could have been better. Um, and, you know, they had good actors in it and everything. Like Jesse Plemons is fucking awesome. But just I just felt like potential was not lived up to no. what it could have been. But uh, but good move. I will say this: good movie, but not as good as it could have been. <clears throat> I'll, I'll I'll leave it at that. Watch at your own risk, <laughs> <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> All right, our first story of the evening from NBCNews.com: uh, disclosure or deception? New UFO Pentagon office divides believers. Uh, the U.S. government is finally getting back into the UFO business. Are they finally getting back into it? I'm pretty sure they've always been in it. Um, and depending upon which UFO believer you ask, it's either a historic step forward to getting to the bottom of conspiracies or a ploy to regain control of the narrative and possibly even prepare for interplanetary war. Bum, bum, bum. <clears throat> war of the Worlds, Katie. It's coming. <laughs> It's coming. That fucking radio drama is going to happen and we're all going to be like, ah, you guys are full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> the establishment of a new office signed into law just before New Year's to study unidentified aerial phenomenon has divided the loose community of activists, researchers and pseudoscientists who hunt for proof that we are not alone in the universe. Some hail the legislation creating the new office tucked into Section 1683 of the massive National Defense Authorization Act for bringing new resources, rigor, and officialdom to the investigation of a phenomenon and a potential national security threat that has long been stigmatized in a way that makes it difficult to study. Our national security efforts rely on aerial supremacy, and these phenomena present a challenge to our dominance, said Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, Democrat from New York, who spearheaded the bipartisan measure. The United States needs a coordinated effort to take control and understand whether these aerial phenomena belong to a foreign government or something else altogether. It's been decades since Washington formally studied UFOs in any kind of comprehensive way, so one might expect the news would be cause for celebration among so-called ufologists. Ufologists. Ugh. But the movement has long believed the government is covering up the greatest secret in history, so many are having a hard time believing the feds want to do anything other than clamp down again after several years in which it became socially acceptable for former presidents and CIA directors to talk publicly about weird things they'd seen in the skies. I've seen a weird thing in the sky. I think everybody's seen something weird in the sky. Oh, for sure. To some degree or another. Um, on social media and forums like Above Top Secret hub of ufology and conspiracy theories, debates have raged about whether the new office represents the beginning of the end of the alleged cover-up or its revival. This is a subject with a provable history of secrecy, and anything that lacks a new openness about the information is subject to more possibly inappropriate control, said Ron James, a spokesperson for the Mutual New UFO Network, which bills itself as the oldest and largest UFO organization in the world. I almost thought that that said, said Ron Jeremy. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck does he got to say about UFOs? Right? Didn't he just get mowed over by the Me Too movement? Yeah, I'm pretty um, sure he's in jail right now. Yeah. 
Uh, and this goes on and on and on and on and on. I'm going to, I'm going to cut it short there, but um, I, I, we've talked about this, I think ad nauseum at this point, the, yeah. the, the fact that, um, you know, the government's going to be opening up this thing. And, and while I think it's a good thing, I do question its validity when they've kept so much from us in, in the past. Like, look at the right. let, let, let's just look at the JFK assassination. <laughs> yeah, like that in and of itself. I mean, I like forget about aliens. Tell me the truth about JFK. Stop right. hiding those documents. <clears throat> when you can do well, that, you know, maybe. And even if we're working on the assumption that they are being honest with us and they really are trying to get all the different departments together. Let's say there's one particular department that does have a heck of a lot of information on this topic, but they just haven't shared it. Are they really just going to hand that information over to the other agencies? Like, yeah, there's so much, there's so much interdepartmental bullshit. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's compartmentalization is a thing. Absolutely. And it's and a valuable the, thing. Right. Sometimes it's a, yes, yeah, sometimes it's a very valuable thing, but sometimes it fucks you. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, it, it'll be interesting to see what this new office uh of whatever uh comes up with yeah but i don't know i mean i don't know it's gonna yeah. it's gonna be interesting we'll see yeah we will definitely see uh our next story katie this is when you sent me uh-oh uh so i don't know how old it is that actually that's yeah, from december um from brobible.com. Brobible? The fuck is that? Uh, researcher discovers and photographs what he believes are possible Bigfoot graves. Uh, Thomas Markham, the founder of a cryptozoology and paranormal resource organiz research organization, and the author of Understanding Bigfoot, Helpful Information and Answers to Common Questions. Recently came across what he believes are unmarked Bigfoot graves. So take them the fuck up. Right? <laughs> yeah, I right. Mean, hey, 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 dogs. Calm down. Yeah. Uh, in a recent post on the organization's website, Markham delves into why he believes these mounds may be Bigfoot graves. Why no one has ever discovered any remains of the creatures after they die, and why despite making this potentially historic find he refuses to do any excavation <laughs> markham who previously made news when he claimed to have spotted a pair of bigfoot entering a coal mine in the mountains of northwest kentucky believes that one of the reasons why he may not find bigfoot bones often is that they bury their dead uh there have been times while out hiking exploring or conducting bigfoot research that i have found or came across what appears to be a grave of some sort markham writes Many years ago, we came across one while logging way back in the head of Hollow. We didn't take pictures and, of course, didn't disturb it. This was many years ago, but over the last 8 to 10 years, I have found similar humps of dirt in places that are in the middle of nowhere. Uh, there are usually two of these that are probably 30 to 40 feet apart, Markham says, while discussing one of the photos. This is in an area where I've had several Bigfoot encounters. 
and found many tracks. Now, of course, I have no idea if these are really graves or just odd humps of dirt on the ground. It could be nothing more than a natural formation or something a person did a long time ago. I have not and would not dig into them. But I am confident that Bigfoot does bury its dead. But I won't excavate it. Uh, alongside another photo from a different location, uh, Markham states, This hump of dirt resembles a grave more than many of the others I have found. But I won't excavate this one either. <laughs> he also clarifies why he doesn't disturb these possible Bigfoot graves or share their specific locations, writing, If, and I say if, a possible unknown grave is to be dug into and the remains exhumed, it would need to be done by experts with the proper authority. You would want to preserve all that you could of the remains. Maybe it's time for something like that to finally happen then. And that's the article saying that, not me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, as with anything when it comes to that, give me some fucking proof. Like, right. stop being so fucking elusive. What yeah, is this elusive bullshit? If you look at those pictures, that looks like fairly loose dirt with like moss, which yeah. commonly grows over leaf litter. But hey, poke around and if you find something and you think it's serious, stop and go get the proper authorities. But like, yeah, dig around a little, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I spent a lot of time watching shit in the Bigfoot community when I back in the team taser days yeah. uh and that shit was there was just it was constant we were just barraged back then with video after video but that's how that whole thing was designed like there were so many people brought together that there was so much shit being thrown at the wall yeah uh, um now was any of it real? I don't know. Uh, in my experience, everything that I've seen has been proven to be or shown to be bullshit. Right. Um, with the exception of maybe one thing. With the exception of, and I'll uh, I'll keep that one close to the chest. I'm yeah. not even going to say which one it is because <laughs> I don't even want to hear the bullshit from yeah. it. Yeah. No. Uh, I will tell you, it has nothing to do with the whole Smeha bullshit. No, that is that is uh, proven bullshit at this point. Yeah. Um, but I yeah, I'd, I'd say there's one. You can ask me after the show. Um, I think I know which one. But um, other than that, I, I, I it's put up a shut up when it comes to the Bigfoot community is my is my personal opinion at this point. Oh, and yeah. no one wants to. No one wants to. Any of these people that say, I have regular sightings or I have regular contact, put up or shut up. Shut the fuck up, please. Because you're not fucking showing us anything. No. Anyhow. Uh, our next story of the evening uh, from SETI.org. Uh, could this new telescope help us find aliens? Uh, it's been a well-worn gag for years among astronomers. The James Webb Space Telescope is scheduled to launch later this year. Later this year. It's already fucking launched. Oh, 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 oh. 
Well, that joke is less potent now. Early on Christmas morning, this imposing instrument with its signature gold-plated mirror was successfully launched from French Guiana. Uh, assuming all continues to go well, the JWST will arrive at its designated parking space about a million miles behind the Earth. What is behind the Earth? Right. That's what I just thought, too. <laughs> like, mm, which way is up to define behind? <laughs> okay. Okay, near the end of January. Why exile the telescope to this reclusive site? Because James Webb needs to chill out to work. If it sets up shop any closer to the Earth, reflected sunlight would slightly warm the telescope, blinding its view. Its operating temperature is 377 degrees colder than the windblown peak of Mount Everest. Unlike Hubble, this newest addition to astronomy's bestiary surveys the sky at infrared wavelengths Similar to night vision cameras, it can see things thanks to the warmth that any object has. That includes ast asteroids, planets orbiting other stars, and the faint, dull red glow of galaxies billions of light years distant. <coughs> this last talent will allow James Webb to examine the universe's childhood soon after the Big Bang. It's a time machine with a dial that goes back more than 13 billion years. With this ability, James Webb can tackle one of the most fundamental questions in science, namely, how did the universe become what we observe today? But there's something else just as enticing on the wish list of this new instrument, finding life beyond Earth. Obviously, there's no hope of seeing animals, plants, or Klingons at the several light years distance of even the nearest other star system. But what James Webb can do is snap photos of exoplanets, worlds that orbit other suns. Since 1995, astronomers have discovered more than 4,000 exoplanets, but only a handful of these have been photographed. The overwhelming majority have been found by measuring the subtle effects they have on their host stars, either shaking them slightly or periodically blocking some of their light. James Webb promises to do better, to make pictures of medium-sized exoplanets, worlds that are two to three times the diameter of Earth. The images would be disappointing to shutterbugs. The planet would appear as a one-pixel dot. Yay! But astronomers have had nearly two centuries of experience teasing good information out of bad photos. They could pass the light from that dot through a high-tech prism, spreading it out on, into a rainbow or spectrum. The detailed structure of that spectrum will tell them what's in the planet's atmosphere. Yeah, that's pretty interesting how they can do that. Yeah, that's way above my intelligence level. Yeah, they just based on how the light comes through the atmosphere of the planet is how they do it. It's it's really fucking cool how they figured it out. But the, those scientists, they figure some shit out every so often. Uh, and then they fuck up and have to figure it out again. Hmm. <laughs> Such as human nature, I suppose. I guess. I don't know. Uh, all right. What do we got next here, Katie? Uh, from English.lpais.com. Um, it wasn't ghosts, but something worse. The brutal truth about Amityville. Uh, thanks to fiction, 112 Ocean Avenue became the most famous haunted house in the world. The book by Rick Asuna reveals judicial irregularities and scams that led to the legend around the notorious massacre. Uh, 
It is 3.15 on November 13, 1974. A 23-year-old man, Ronald DeFeo Jr., more commonly known as Butch, hey, Butch, wakes up and rifle in hand executes his entire family. His parents, two sisters, and two brothers all died face down in bed as if none had been awoken by the sound of gunfire and none of them had been drugged. It's a, it was as if a supernatural force had somehow silenced the weapon and kept the six victims in a trance until their fate was sealed. This is how most of the more than 30 horror movies inspired by the patricide in Long Island neighborhood of Amityville in New York start. From the original and most famous of them all, the Amityville Horror 1979, to then go on and tell the story of how another family who moved into the house later experienced paranormal phenomena. These movies often carry the tagline, based on real events, because surprisingly, they have some basis in reality. The original court ruling in the case, handed down in 1975, did not make explicit mention of malign spirits, but it did consider the story plausible. In his 2002 book, The Night the DeFeos Died, Reinvestigating the Amityville Murders, Rick Asuna goes over all of the irregularities surrounding the case. The obstacles the defense team encountered in gaining access to evidence that had not been submitted, and the hurry on the part of the authorities to lock up a culprit even before a coherent version of events had been obtained. Osuna had for years been advocated for the case to be reopened. His goal was not to see Butch DeFeo, who confessed to the crime and died in custody in March, two, in March 2021 at, at the age of 69, exonerated, but that his true involvement in the killing of his family be established. There have been question marks over DeFeo's guilt from the moment he was arrested, given that the authorities at the time were convinced the crime had to have been carried out by more than one person. In his conclusions, Osuna maintains that DeFeo killed his parents, Ronald and Louis DeFeo, with the help of a friend, but that his younger siblings were killed by his 18-year-old sister, Dawn, who was then shot by DeFeo after he witnessed the atrocity. I think that Don was involved in simply saying so makes me sad because we are talking about a girl ready to do anything to get out of the house and escape from her parents, Osuna says via email. The author, among other arguments, points to the affidavit signed in 1974 by Don's boyfriend, with whom she wanted to move to Florida despite the disapproval of her parents. He also holds up as evidence a supposedly comic song written by Don sometime earlier the Night the DeFeos Died, also the title of his book, in which she fantasized about the murder of her family. That's interesting. Very I, interesting. I know that the, uh, we had talked about that before. Yes, and the suspicion of, of the that. sister and the way she died was a huge part of my research. Yeah, into that. So that uh, is actually really intriguing. Yeah, I, I mean, forget the fucking ghost bullshit. The story of the Def the DeFeos is fucking oh, yeah. creepy Just as, as like a true crime story is yeah. fascinating. <laughs> uh, the second half of Osuna's book focuses on reconstructing the family life of the DeFeos from their arrival at 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, which they purchased in 1965, although the tabloid press placed a lot of emphasis on the High Hope sign Renault Ronaldo DeFeo had hung at the entrance to the house as a symbol of the prosperity he sought. 112 Ocean Avenue was far from an idyllic home, according to neighbors and acquaintances. Osuna interviewed. Dome the domestic horror described to the author was centered on the violent character of Ronald DeFeo, who abused his wife and children. 
Furthermore, the family was directly linked to organized crime through Louis DeFeo's father, Michael Brigante Sr., who was an associate of Gambino crime family boss, Carlo Gambino. According to Butch DeFeo, who worked alongside his father at Brigante's dealership and his girlfriend, they were already more than familiar with death, having had to dispose of bodies on behalf of the mafia. Although Ronald DeFeo's erratic and reckless behavior had led the mobster's eyes to a light on him, Osuna rules out his involvement in the Amityville Massacre since the killing of his ch- of children violates the code of the Italian Mafia. In the reconstruction events laid out in his book, the events take place on November 12th, after a violent argument in which Ronald DeFeo attacks his wife and several of his children, leaving his youngest child, a nine-year-old with a bloodied face, Dawn, for her part, tried to defend herself with a knife. Convinced that their father would kill them all if they did not act first, Dawn persuades her older brother, Butch, to kill Ronald during the night. She also encourages the same fate for her mother, Louise, who, despite also being a victim of his abuse, is seen by Dawn as beyond hope, as she was always unconditionally on Ronald's side. What they don't agree on is their youngest, younger siblings. Butch DeFeo instructs Dawn to watch their bedrooms, while he and according to Osuna's version of events, his friend Bobby Kelsky do away with Ronald and Louise. Dawn argues that they can't leave any witnesses and that it would be a crime for the younger children to grow up with such trauma, so she decides to kill them too. Butch, horrified by what has happened, takes matters with Dawn into his own hands and becomes the sole surviving to fail. Uh... Tragedy and farce. The bulk of Asuna's book provides a wealth of documentation and data that at the very least cast doubt over the rigor with which the trial was conducted and how the evidence was treated. For example, in the crime scene photos, which are reproduced in the book, bloodstains can be seen in places that do not add up with the story that the DeFeos were all killed in their beds, which serves to support Osuna's version of events. The discovery of a bullet with a different caliber from the Marlin rifle Butch discarded after the massacre in the marital bedroom is also highlighted by Osuna. However, it is in Osuna's chronicling of anomalies during the trial that the Amityville case starts to deal with paranormal phenomena. A useful gauge of the police brutality meted out during that area in Suffolk County is the astronomical confession rate during interrogation. 95% compared to, for example, 35% in the Bronx or 20% in Kings County, Brooklyn. Osuna maintains that the confession of Butch DeFeo, an alcoholic and heroin addict, stating that he was the sole culprit, was obtained under torture. The various judges involved in the trial process rejected all evidence to that effect. The prosecutor and the police admitted on several occasions that the crime would have required three people. In another independent investigation by retired police detective Herman Race reached the same conclusion. However, media interest in the case and personal and political ambitions of those on the side of the law prescribed swift justice, even if that meant presenting inconsistent official versions of what took place. The night the DeFeos died, reinvestigating the Amityville murders, is not designed in any way to serve as a mouthpiece for Butch DeFeo, who the author describes as a liar. Any direct quotes from DeFeo are always verified or discredited by other sources when there is no evidence to support them. The newest revelations to emerge are those of his wife at the time of the crime, Geraldine DeFeo, with whom he had a daughter. 
DeFeo filed a suit against Osuna and his ex-wife for slander after the publication of the book and denied having ever been interviewed by the author, but he lost the trial. Butch wanted money and royalties. Frankly, I didn't think that he should profit for his role in the killings, Osuna tells El Pais. Geraldine had no part in the extortion and refused money. As such, Butch also denied that she had ever been his wife. In the end, with the exception of the abuse, Butch wound up turning into his father in the way that he treated those around him. And it goes on and on. It goes into, like, fucking Lorraine and the Warrens. The That's Warrens. That's really interesting, though. That intrigues me. This is all out of a book? Yeah. Uh, hmm. Written by... It's uh, the night the DeFeos died. Reinvestigating the Amityville murders. I might want to read that. Yeah, I'll send you here. I'll, I'll copy it and paste it and send it to you. Thanks. So you can look for it. I'll do that for you. I copy it. I copy it. There I go. Look at me go. Sounds like you know? a good read. Yeah. I, I I still have not looked, uh, read that, um, uh, that, uh, Son of Sam murders, oh, uh, yeah. book that I, I got, um, I'm thinking I might take a break from my my huge uh, fantasy spree of reading um, to read something like that or that next. Um, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. I like. I do like me some fucking true crime. Yeah, I've been big into kidnapping books. I almost I almost bought uh, the, uh what was it the green uh no the hillside stranglers hmm. uh, I almost picked one. up a book on those two um is it Bianchi and Bono were, those, were they the hillside stranglers mm. yeah because the Green River Killer was one dude yes 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 anyhow those fun fuckers. Uh, do, do, do. What's next? What do I got next? Uh, ah, here we go, Katie. Here's a good one. Here's a good one from IndiaTimes.com. Time traveler makes bizarre claim. It says underground alien race will be discovered in August 2022. I'm down. All right. Let's go. Wait, we underground? In, underground. All right. I, I'm, you know, he could have gone ocean. That's like the like the predominant narrative right now. Right. I mean, that's kind of the greatest possibility statistically. Yeah. Uh, he wants to go underground. Uh, we are into a new year, and everyone is hoping this year is kinder. But according to a self-proclaimed time traveler, we should also be prepared for a life-changing event in August. The TikToker, who prefers to remain anonymous, claims that the human race will make its first discovery of alien life inside Earth. The video uploaded by an account called at past time travel has gone viral and is captioned. Remember these dates in the clip. They wrote, I have been thought of as a fake time travel, but I can prove that I'm not remember these three dates and I can prove that I'm real. They continued March 15th, 2022, a volcano erupts and creates an ash cloud around half the world. June 28th, 2022, a plane goes missing for a month. And returns, but everyone on the plane says it was only three hours. August 2nd, 2022, we make contact with an underground civilization. Keep those dates in mind, Katie. Did you write all those down? 
I didn't and I won't. <laughs> the most striking of the three days was a warning that on August 2nd, the human race will discover an underground civilization. Another self-proclaimed time traveler, Ari Yormany, also re recently shared a new video to get us all ready for 2022, writing, there's a lot you need to know. In the clip, the TikToker says, I have been thought of as a fake time traveler for too long, so remember these three major dates in early 2022. They proceed to list three predictions for the coming year, including the discovery of a sea creature that's even larger than a blue whale. Uh -huh. He then details the three bizarre dates. March 11th, the first human has a child with a chimpanzee. It can talk and has mi mixed features. Planet of the Apes? Holy shit! The fuck, Chris? <laughs> April 19th, a new strain, new COVID strain, Omega, emerges. Five mm. times worse than all the other versions. September 17th, the largest creature is discovered in the ocean called the Serene Croin, over four times the size of the blue whale. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah, that's it for that story. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. You completely lost me at um, TikTok. <laughs> TikToker says. I was out. <laughs> TikToker says. Uh, oh, our next story from LiveScience.com. Good old Live Science. Nine things we learned about aliens in 2021. A bombshell UFO report, the alien junk in our solar system, and more new clues about extraterrestrial life. A donut UFO in the sky over Switzerland. Strange green lights vanishing into the clouds above Canada. A saucer-shaped blob plunging suddenly into the ocean. The year 2021 gave truth seekers and alien hunters no shortage of mysteries to ponder, but it also gave them answers. From a hotly anticipated Pentagon report on military UFO sightings, to new insights on habitable exoplanets, to the truth about a so-called alien signal from the sun's nearest neighboring star, here are nine things we learned about aliens and where to look for them in 2021. Number one, UFOs are real. And the government knows it. They fucking know it. In June, the Pentagon released a highly anticipated report detailing 144 UFO encounters between 2004 and 2021. The report was meant to assess the threat posed by identified, unidentified aerial phenomena, UAP, and officially confirmed several UFO sightings that had, until then, only been shared through viral media. On one hand, the brief nine-page assessment confirmed that most of the UAP reported probably do represent physical objects, which range from birds and balloons to foreign surveillance equipment and top-secret U.S. government projects. However, anyone hoping for an acknowledgement of extra extraterrestrial intelligence may have been let down when the report failed to link any of the 144 encounters to alien activity. Would alien activity not be a physical object? I mean, I, by definition, I feel like it would be. Hmm. Anyhow. Uh, number two, black holes could be alien powerhouses. While alien hunters spend plenty of time searching for habitable planets beyond our solar system, a study published in July in the journal Monthly Notices of the Royal Astro Astronomical Society warns that scientists shouldn't overlook nature's most extreme objects, black holes because black holes can radiate up to 100,000 times more energy than a star like our sun, 
they may make tempting targets for alien civilizations looking to power their interstellar enterprises, the study authors wrote. To do this, aliens could use a high use high-tech structures called Dyson spheres, giant energy siphoning orbs, first proposed in the 1960s, to steal energy from the disk of white hot matter swirling around a black hole's horizon, then radiate that energy outward into space. That re-radiated energy would create a distinct wavelength signature that astronomers could detect from Earth, the study authors suggested. The researchers are currently developing algorithms to search through existing telescope data in search of those telltale signatures. Interesting. <clears throat> I think that fucking wacky theories out there. All shapes and sizes. Yeah. And hey, I, 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 no, I, I think it's great. I think it's fucking great. I think it's great that people are think, like, thinking outside the box. Not everybody's going to hit it on the fucking head. No. You know, not everybody's going to knock it out of the fucking park. Sometimes they're going to ground out to first. Like, it's just that, and probably a lot of times. Like, it's just the way it is. But somebody's going to be out there taking swings. Yeah. I'm glad there's somebody out there doing it. There's just no way my brain can even participate. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Alien Number three, alien planets may look nothing like Earth. Duh. Uh, typically, the search for alien life begins with a search for Earth-like planets, but there may be another class of alien world that is just as conducive to life. A study published in the Astrophysical Journal in August contents Hycean planets, which are up to 2.5 times larger than Earth and sport huge oceans of liquid water beneath hydrogen-rich atmospheres, could be the ideal spot for microbial life similar to the extremophiles that thrive in some of Earth's harshest environments, such as hydrothermal vents, the study authors said. Not only are these planets abundant in the Milky Way galaxy, but they are also incredibly diverse, some orbiting very close to their host star, others orbiting far away. Both could potentially host itty-bitty life beneath their waves, the authors wrote, meaning there may be a whole new avenue of exploration for alien planet hunters. Number four. One of Saturn's Saturn's moon still holds potential for life. Uh, the methane wafting from Enceladus, Saturn's sixth largest moon, may be a sign that life teems in the moon's subsurface sea. A June study, a, a June study found in 2005, NASA's Cassini Saturn orbiter discovered geysers blasting particles of water ice into space from tiger stripe fractures near Enceladus's south pole. The material is thought to come from a huge ocean of liquid water that sloshes beneath the moon's icy shell. But it wasn't just water the orbiter found. Numerous other compounds, including dihydrogen and a variety of carbon-containing organic compounds, including methane, also appeared in the geysers. Interesting. Everybody's like, a lot of these scientists are crazy about, like, fucking, I want to go fishing on fucking, what is it, Europa? (laughs) You know? It's like, uh, number five, scientists may be ignoring alien junk in our own solar system. Oh, they're talking, in this one, they're talking about that Oumamuma. Remember that? The, uh, the, what they thought was a, fuck, a comet. Yeah. 
but oh. then uh, Av Loeb th uh, thinks that it's it it was not that it was an, actually an extraterrestrial spacecraft. Um, and there's some there's some reasons behind that. Yeah, some solid reasons behind that. It did not act like uh, a comet. Or, I don't know if it was supposed to be an asteroid or. Was it cigar shaped? I want to say that they said it was a that it was supposed to be a, a, an um, a comet, but it could have been an asteroid. But that that's a unique one. That's really fucking interesting because it did not behave properly. Yeah, it was originally classified as a comet, later as an asteroid. Yeah, it's very, very weird. Um, uh, number six, uh, thousands of alien worlds could have watched humans grow up. I suppose. I guess. Like Truman Show style? <laughs> uh, no. That, I, I do think there's a very good possibility we're an ant farm. Right. Like I've That's something that I've run through my head quite a few times at this point. Um, it's it's not a far out theory either. No, I haven't ruled it out. So, I'll skip over the reading of that one. Uh, number seven. There's no best way to communicate with aliens. Uh, if aliens are watching us from relatively close by, what's the best way to tell them where we live? Uh, hey, we're here. Light a fucking flare. I mean, I don't know. Just put a big neon fucking sign in space. Uh, live science writer Joanna Thompson investigated this question in December, finding that no one method is flawless. On one hand, radio waves are a tempting way to communicate with extraterrestrials because these signals fit into a convenient gap in the electromagnetic spectrum called the waterhole. A frequency between 1420 and 1720 megahertz that's relatively free of cosmic background noise. On the other hand, a radio wave broadens as they travel, meaning any message we send will become more diluted the farther from Earth it gets. Laser light does not have this problem. However, laser signals require incredible precision and are unlikely to reach any alien observers unless we target our message directly to their star system. Both methods have their advantages, and neither are perfect. Um, number eight, our own technology might be getting in the way. Uh, on April 29th, 2019, astronomers detected a signal beaming toward Earth. It seemed from Proxima Centauri, the nearest star system to our sun and home to at least one potentially habitable planet. Because the signal fell into a narrow band of radio waves that are rarely made by human aircraft or satellites, researchers interpreted it as a possible sign of alien technology. But the signal never repeated it, and a stu study published this October in the journal Nature Astronomy explains why. The signal was actually coming from a malfunctioning computer or cellular device located near the telescope that detected it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Good times. Ah, mm. uh, shit. And, you know, hey, I've said that before, like, uh, with other things, like uh, Bigfoot researchers, for instance. How many times have Bigfoot researchers gone out into the woods and heard Bigfoot calls or were just other Bigfoot researchers? Yeah. Because there are places where the concentration of Bigfoot researchers is very high. Right. So, um, and number nine, 
alien abductions could be lucid dreams. Okay. I'm not even going to read that one. Yeah. Just not even going to go there. And that's from Live Science. Live Science, you guys are slacking. Slacking on the science, I think. It's my own personal opinion. But you, you go. And our last story of the evening, Katie. Uh, people exclusive from people.com. I am Sean Ray, 22-year-old woman stuck in the body of an 8-year-old. <clears throat> says mom gets negative attention. Uh, TLC's latest reality series, I Am Sean Ray, is almost here. The show, premiering Tuesday, follows Sean Ray, a 22-year-old woman who has the appearance of an 8-year-old. When Shauna was a baby, she was diagnosed with a rare form of brain cancer. Though treatment helped her into remission, it also left her pituitary gland almost dormant. Today, Shauna has a childlike appearance and stands at 3 feet and 10 inches tall, which is the average size of an 8-year-old. I am a 22-year-old woman stuck in the body of an 8-year-old, she previously described herself. In People's exclusive sneak peek at the premiere episode, Shauna is getting ready to go out for dinner with her family and reflects on how she's perceived in public. I usually don't do full-face makeup. If I do makeup, it's usually just eyeshadow and mascara. I don't like wearing a lot of makeup anymore, Shauna says. She continues, I think whether I'm dressed up or not, I get attention. I think when I'm dressed up and I have makeup on, my mom gets negative attention. I don't think it's any different from me. I think it's different from my family. Her mom, Patty, then gives a similar account in a confessional. Shauna likes to dress up like any other 22-year-old, but we go out together and she gets looks like, oh, wow, what is she doing? What is that kid doing? And then I get the looks of, how could you? How could you let your child dress like this? I wonder how many Karens have come up to her. Right. <laughs> this poor fucking woman. Right. Oh, my God. Will you two shut the fuck up? Christ. <sighs> yeah, this poor fucking woman. She And she looks like a kid. Like, it's crazy. Like, yeah, she looks that's... like a little tiny kid big fucking eyes she looks like a little fairy i'm sure she does get a lot of attention that's fucking rough that is. is i mean i anytime i i i want to like bitch about my own life i just need to look at shit like that it's it's sad to say but i mean yes it does make you feel very privileged yeah. For your able body. Yeah. Like, I, I, anytime I want to just be like, oh, dude, you don't have it that bad. Just look at something like that. Or look at, like, yeah. those fucking progeria kids. Those poor fucking progeria right? kids, you know? Yeah. Like, and, and their outlook on life is usually far fucking better than mine. Right. Like, they have a fucking far more positive look at life than I do because I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> 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 it's 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 funny to me like it is is literally it's funny to me that i can sit there and bitch about stupid inane shit and they get to live like what 10 years if they're fucking lovely i'm lucky right. lovely Jeez, i can't even talk tonight <laughs> if they're fucking lucky yeah uh abner dumb off 
things could be worse, always be worse, and eventually they will be. Well, yeah, that's the way it is. I like the first part of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if eventually they will be, but uh, sometimes they will be. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, but I don't know anymore. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the answers are in this world anymore, Katie. Up is down, left is right. Dogs Wild scratching times. their fucking collars behind me. You know, I'm gonna fucking strangle you tonight, both of you. I swear to God. Ah, uh, but yeah. Anyway, sorry we weren't on last week, folks. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I woke up and it wasn't happening. Let's just put it that way. I woke Shit up happens. and I didn't have enough energy to keep my eyes open, let alone <laughs> talk for an hour long podcast. Right. You know, I just I I literally I was I woke up. I texted Katie. I'm like, are you re I, are you good? And then I think it was like 20 minutes later. I was like, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I was just not fucking with it last fucking Monday night. It was bad. Um, but uh, yeah, should get things uh more into the to a, a better swing now. Um, I have my two days off a week currently, so I'm off of working six days a week, which I that's what I started out with uh, at my new job working six days a week for like past month um but it hasn't been bad because it doesn't it doesn't wear me out i don't do much fucking nothing so anyhow uh for those of you that want to play the home game you can guess what bigfoot sighting that i think has any merit whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> good luck good fucking luck that's Cut all speed. i gotta say good, good yeah good luck and godspeed good night and good luck as fucking fred friendly and what's his fuck used to say uh but yeah um i i don't have much faith in that shit anymore i just don't it's not as fun as it used to be it's for sure um you know every once in a while i see something cool that comes out in the cryptid world. I won't even say uh Bigfoot. Right. I'll say cryptid yeah. world. Um the the Dogman documentary that I watched about the Beast of Bray Road. I will say that for the first time ever um I was never a Dogman fan. I was right. never like there's a Dogman. Um but after watching that documentary I was like there's something weird. I'm not saying hmm. it's a dog man. Right. But there's something interesting that, that's going on in that area or that was going on at one point right. in time. I don't know what it was. Um, but, you know, again, I wasn't there. Yeah. I didn't see these things. I didn't experience these things. A lot of times... Um, and I don't want to excuse use the excuse of... You know, I just want to believe the person's account or whatever, because I'm very skeptical. Yeah. So, but 
every once in a while I watch something or I catch something and there's something to it that's just like, huh, that's an interesting one. Yeah. You know, maybe there's a little more there than what's being said. And like I said, maybe not Dogman, but maybe something. Right. <clears throat> um, But with the Bigfoot thing, like I said, it's just been it's been let down after let down for me. You know, hey, yeah. here's this big thing. We found this thing and da, 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 da. we're going to release this stuff and boom, nothing. And yeah. ah, we get this thing and boom, I feel like there's an even anticipation for a big thing anymore. Like the, there isn't that big thing. It's all no, just they, this kind yeah. of stuff that you see and you're like, womp, womp. Yeah, it, had, it hasn't been for a while. No. Um, so, you know, hey, good, good luck in that aspect. Right. Uh, but uh yeah so we'll be back uh next monday night um i don't know if it'll be seven or eight p.m we'll figure it out figure out a, a solid time to do this bullshit and um we'll be back with your you know 40 and news oh i before before we wrap this up i was watching x files with my son and Mulder actually said 40 and researchers <laughs> and I was like, huh, interesting. Shout out to you. <laughs> yeah. no, they, uh, they actually used the word 40 and twice. Wow. In that episode. I was I was shocked. I was like, I'd never heard it used before. And I may have seen that episode and actually heard it. Uh, hmm. But uh, it's the first time I've ever caught it. Very cool. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. Actually in use. Right. Before, you know, before I had ever heard of it. So. Uh, but yeah, until next Monday, uh, everybody be good to each other and see ya. <laughs>